What's the first thing you do in 2022 when you need something done, but you're not sure where to get it? You Google it, right? You need a plumber, you Google it. You need a mortgage, you Google it. You need a car detail or an oil change, you Google it. If your business doesn't show up in the top three or even on the first page in general, when I Google something, chances are you're not getting my business. Actually, you're definitely not getting my business. It's that simple. Maybe you do show up, but you only have one review that was left by a customer in 2015. Well, you're not getting my business either. Websites by Students is a company that's here to help solve modern website issues for small and medium-sized businesses. The team at Websites by Students builds custom WordPress websites for small and medium-sized service businesses. Every website is 100% custom built, which means you tell them what you want on the site and they build it exactly to your needs. Every website comes equipped with Google Suite functionality, meaning the Google Map, Google integration is all built in right from the start. Their prices are incredibly affordable and their team is super professional to work with. They can build you a brand new website in under three weeks and that comes with unlimited revisions. So they'll send you the first draft. If you don't like it, tell them to fix it as long as you want until the site looks exactly the way that you want it. They won't publish anything until it's perfect and you want it built the way that you want it. The best part about it is that every website package comes with one year worth of free website management. So six months after you get this site built, if you want to update something, whether it's copywriting or you own a restaurant and you want to add to your menu, just tell the team at Websites by Students to do it. They'll turn that around in under 48 hours and get that website updated for you to your exact specifications. It gets even better. Websites by Students is a purpose-driven organization. A portion of every website they build goes to a scholarship fund to help fight student debt for as many college students as they can. If you visit websitesbystudents.com today, fill out the contact form and mention the Get It Done podcast. You'll save 20% on your next website project. That could be as much as $500 worth of savings. And that $500 is more than likely going into that scholarship fund to help fight student debt. Visit websitesbystudents.com today to get your new website built or get your existing website updated so that it shows up on the first page of Google, if not the top three. Their goal is to make you number one. Call them today, visit their website, mention our podcast, save 20%. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm Joe Zanke, your host, co-founder, COO of On Demand Storage, who sponsors our show. Today, I'm with my guest, Tavis Parker. Tavis, what's going on, man? Uh, just got off a plane, and I'm happy to be here to talk to you about the Game Crafter. I'm pumped to talk about the Game Crafter. I think it's really unique, um, you know, different business that, you know, from the outside looking in as someone who isn't involved in that world, I think it was super niche. But like I've come to find out, um, it seems to be a big market for, for what you guys do, which is great. And, um, you know, you have a great company on your hands. So I want to learn more about it. I'm excited to ask you questions about that. But before we get into it, Talk to me a little bit about you, um, what you were doing before Game Crafter and how this business idea came to be. Yeah, so in 2008, uh, we had a software company called Plain Black. Uh, we still do, but it's basically mostly Sunset at this point. Yep. But this company did uh, content management systems and it was fairly successful. We were running 300 plus US embassy websites for the State Department uh, and several other federal agencies, uh, universities, you know, large scale projects. Uh, but you know, the market was consolidating. It was more competitive. There was huge players. And we were one of the smaller, smaller shops with like 20 employees. And we just weren't super passionate about it anymore. We thought, you know, 
it's client service work. So sometimes after a while that can wear on you. And so my business partner turns to me in a meeting and he's like, Hey, we need to diversify. We need to do something fresh, something new. And he turns to me dead serious. And he's like, we need to create a company that makes custom board games for people. <laughs> so I was like, five seconds of awkward silence looking at him. I thought he was joking at first, and then he wasn't. And then I was like, do we need to talk about you being on drugs? Because, you know, like, <laughs> there's like 100 people in America that makes their own custom board game, right? <laughs> right, right, so, right. Yeah, so that was weird. And, and he was serious. He was like, no, I, I, he's a game designer at heart. Like, when you and I go home from work, we, like, watch TV or work on our, you know, like, play a video game, do something, kind of rest the mind. Uh -huh. He's the type that goes home and like will start making rules to a game, like do the math, like get a notebook out. That's not the only thing he does, but that's one of his hobbies is game design. So he knew there was nothing in the market to help him make like awesome prototypes of his games so he can present them to people and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. We, we, we did the minimum viable product thing, right? We got a small office. We got a small printer. We got a, a part-time employee. And we launched in July of 2009 and just as a test. And it probably cost us 20, 30 grand bootstrapping it ourselves. And the first month we had like 300 orders. And that's when we realized like, oh, we need to like, we need to retool this. Like oh, yeah. there's demand here. So that was, that was kind of how we rolled into it. And then plain black, this, you know, the, the software company, that market kind of went where we thought it was going to go. And so Game Crafter just exploded. And ever since then, we've been trying to keep up with demand. Has, keeping up with demand is, is, is a pretty good problem to have. Uh, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> the, the story about you know, how you, you, you kind of looked at him, you caught off guard. Like this wasn't something that you guys talked about doing. You know, it was yeah. just something that he brought up and, it was, and you were like, what are you talking about? But it goes to yeah. show, you know, you guys must have a pretty strong business relationship. I mean, I'm sure the friendship's there too, but the business relationship, because at the end of the day, if you have a good business relationship, you know, it doesn't necessarily completely matter exactly what you're selling. It's that you guys can work compatibly together. And if there's a market for your product, you know, you'll make it work. And so, um, you know, good for you for, for, for looking at him, trusting, you know, the, the instinct that he had and turning it into what it is today. Cause that's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And, and we, so the three partners, there's me, um, I'm more of the marketing events, the social media, uh, aspect of the business. And then JT, who's our CEO, he's the game designer, but he's a programmer. He's the technology guy. And then Jamie's our third partner and he's our operations and HR guy. So we kind of all work in our verticals. And so when we, when we get together, there's like, you know, there's debates, arguments, things like that, trying to get people to, define their positions and you know you kind of like iron sharpens iron type of thing so it's not like we always agree on those kinds of things but he t he basically talked us into it by justifying like hey there's nothing on the market it's worth a try so right you right. have to kind of have those uh you kind of have to have those relationships in business because if you just say yes to everything and you don't fight through it you're gonna you're gonna do a bunch of like bad things yes yeah. of money things like that you got to kind of refine the idea more so yeah that he did so how did you start finding i mean people who want it like where did you start selling this thing how did you get in front of people who wanted to build their own game board so initially i mean we're, we were a software company you know behind the scenes so this was really taking our software background pairing it with manufacturing 
And we started out thinking we would just do the software side of things and we would have like a local UPS store do the printing and like round, like do the card production. And our products are pretty basic back then. So almost right. anybody, any kind of office or print shop could do it. And then we partnered with another company in New York who we thought was further along in their quality and products, but their ser customer service was just horrible. Like they just weren't responding to customers, weren't responding to us. So we drove back to New York after we had kind of sent our stuff to them to take over the operations. And we took a U-Haul, drove all the way up there, grabbed our crap and came back and said, we're going to be like Apple. We are going to control the entire user experience, the website, everything. Um, so we used basic SEO uh, strategies. We used some advertising. We got picked up by TechCrunch. Uh, Rafe Koster is a huge video game designer. He's the designer of like some of the most iconic games in the industry. He yep. found us and posted online about on his blog. And suddenly we had like, you know, 15,000 people come to our site. So oh, it was, it was a lot of love in the gaming community. And it was kind of a catchy thing like, Ooh, anybody can make their own board game. So that brought in a lot of people that had previously been designing games, but never had a way of making a nice prototype. How does the interface work? You know, if I'm someone who's doesn't play a lot of board games, um, I don't, I've never even tried or thought about designing one. You know what I mean? Like I'll play Monopoly mm -hmm. once a year with my family, sure. maybe. but um, right. as someone in my shoes, how does the, how does the interface work? How would I go about making a game and, and what does that look like? Or is it more niche? Is it for people who are experienced? Well, uh, we have a, a game editor interface, which is pretty simple for most people. And the community has kind of hammered the kinks out of it and told us what they love and what they hate. So over the last 12 years, the UI has gotten really, really tight, really good. And for most people, obvious, but we, we do like tutorial videos and stuff that show you how, like how to walk through it. And um, we have templates for every single thing we make. So PNG files or Illustrator. Uh, and so somebody could download that and they can actually see like the poker card, the boundaries of the poker card, where their art goes and like where the, where the card's going to get cut, like, you know, when the machine cuts it. So it's mostly like, designing the artwork and then using our templates and then uploading those to the site. And then you just pick and choose the parts you want to add. Uh, and if you want to add a box, you do the same thing. You download a box template and then just upload the artwork. So it's really, it's really as simple as like, if you've used things like cafe press or Lulu yep. or, you know, uh, like Vista print, the board game thing, uh, the um, sure. business card site, it's kind of in that vein of things, but it is more complex because there's just so many more things in a, in a board game. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like the rules and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I have to think through, but no, at the end of the day, I mean, it seems like you guys make it pretty easy for someone to just go on there and, and, and tool around with it. And it's nice that, you know, you've been doing it for a little while now, your customers, like you said, have given a lot of feedback over the years and you've been able to take that feedback and apply it to your product and, yeah. you know, get it to a point where, um, Someone can just pop on there and make a game. I might pop on right after this and, and, and mess around with it for the holiday season, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, we have a lot of people doing wedding gifts, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. holiday stuff, uh, just buying gifts for other people. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that goes down on the site is just people buying other people's games. Uh, we have 10,000 in there that are self-published now. So these, these games, consider it like a, a Google Play Store or an Apple App Store, right? So wow. it's all independent game designers. And some of those games are fantastic and they're, you know, they're getting picked up by large publishers. Like, you know, they, they browse the, 
the the corral or the stable, if you will. They go to our website and and like every year they pull out, you know, 10, 15, 20, maybe more games. And then they sign publishing deals with those people because they like their game. And then they go and they, they end up at Target, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Um, so we're we're used to games flowing out of us. And that's kind of that's kind of how it is. We're like a start. We can be a starting point for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, it's it's a it's one of those things where some people enter the industry that way and then they go on and they actually become like professional game designers, too. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. So it's a pretty sweet platform. And I didn't actually even think about the fact that you could go on there and like the the games live on the mm -hmm. um, the platform. So if I create yep. a game, someone else could go buy it and vice versa. Right. Um, you know, there must be some really creative people out there, like you said, that are that are making great games that maybe otherwise wouldn't be if you guys didn't right. um, create yeah, this. We, we hear that all the time, actually. Like people said, I never took game design seriously until I could get my prototype in my hands and have other people play it. Otherwise it was just in a notebook. Right. It was, it was just some silly idea, but there's something about having that tangible thing in your hand and being able to present it to friends, family, or pitch it to publishers. Uh, there's one guy named Chris leader who had a game called roll for it. It was a really simple little dice game where you roll dice and you match the dice to whatever's on the cards. So you're, it's kind of like Yahtzee type of deal where you're trying to match what you need. And, and it's a simple game, but it's brilliantly put together and it's easy and you can learn to play it in two seconds. Well, he's one of the people that would have never done anything in the industry. It was just something he created for his wife. But when he came to Game Crafter, he had this copy and he's like, I'm going to go pitch this to somebody at the largest board game convention in the United States at Gen Con. And we met him the first night, just randomly. And he's telling us a story. The next day he told us he had a meeting with the publisher he pitched it and they wanted to sign it or, you know, are very interested in signing it. And now he's like professionally in the industry he has like 15 games or 12 games under his, under his belt. Uh, and he's known as like a really prolific designer. And he, and he tells everybody, he goes, if it wasn't for game crafter, I never would have crossed over into any kind of serious game design. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you guys have created businesses for other people through your own product, you know, and, um, it's funny. I think about that sometimes. I'm like the some of the most modern, like the best modern companies, are ones that allow other people to um, either make money themselves or or right. develop skills and habits that they that they otherwise maybe wouldn't have. Like you think about like Uber, right? Uber yeah. is so great, you know. Because I mean, forget about like profitability, whatever it may be, but like the business concept is, hey, we're gonna just allow other people to make money with their car. Um, and sure. so you guys, in a way, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like the design, but it's, it's morphed into a platform where other people can create businesses or, or, or get publishing yeah. deals or just share ideas together, um, that they otherwise wouldn't have, which is a, which is right. a really cool, a really cool thing. It's not just a product, you know, it's like more of like a community. Yep. And, and we're kind of branching out too. So we started out just being known as like the print on demand one-off copy company. Mm -hmm. And then over time, people just tell us like, oh, hey, I need 15 copies for I'm going to do a Kickstarter. So I need to send it out to reviewers and have them all make videos and put social media posts out. So we started doing like 15 copies. You know, we'll do 50 copies and it's like 100. And then people are like, well, hey, can I get a discount on 500? And we're like, we're, that's not really what we do. But over time, we've kind of morphed our offerings into what helps people be successful. And so we can do a thousand unit game uh, game order now, 
um, you know, it's a little bit pricier because you have, you're doing it in America. We're paying livable wages. Like, you know, it's, uh, just everything's more expensive here for manufacturing, but it's also easier here. You don't have all the international delays with shipping and the hassles and the customs and, you know, different languages involved. So we've also done things like people like crowdfunding, but they don't necessarily always want the overhead of Kickstarter. When you kickstart right. something, there's a ton of eyeballs and stumble traffic that can find you. But the problem is, is like most people don't realize how much work it is to do a Kickstarter. And then even when it's successful and you fund, then you got to do Kickstarter surveys. You have all of the back and forth of people. So we did our own version of crowdfunding on our site, and it's called a crowd sale. And there's no stretch goals. You can do add-ons if you want multiple products. But the more people that join your crowd sale, the cheaper the product gets. And that's it. So if a 1,000 people jump on your crowd sale to buy a game, the price could go from $20 to 12 or, wow. you know, whatever the, whatever the price gap is, but it's significant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the nice thing is, is when they, when they join the sale, they're automatically entering their billing and their shipping information. When the sale ends, all of those orders, let's say a thousand orders come in, they all get processed immediately. There's no Kickstarter surveys, no back and forth. It's just like in the queue, we start producing them like, you know, very soon, within a usually a week or two, if we're backed up, maybe a couple of weeks, but that's way faster than you normally get stuff from Kickstarter. Normally yeah. you back something on Kickstarter, you see it in six to 12 months if you're lucky. Right. So right. that's just another, uh, another example of us listening to the community and them saying like, there's gotta be a better way and it has to fit us as indie game designers. So like lesson to everybody out there, if you listen to your customers and do what they say, you'll get more business. Absolutely. As long as you don't kill yourself, you know, delivering that thing, you have to charge I mean, it makes, <laughs> Yeah, no, you, like you said, it has to fit into your business model and, and, and your goals as a company. But at the end of the day, um, it's the best way to learn and, and adapt your product is to just listen to the people that are using it. And with, with what you do, you know, it's a very specific type of person a lot of the time. Um, and, and they build, you know, you see people who build like different apps out there now too, that like help build these communities of like-minded individuals. And it's great because they can learn from each other too. Um, mm -hmm. and they can, so they can teach you about their product, but they can also learn from each other. And, you know, um, you can like, you get, you know, a number of different ideas. Um, but you can get a number, you, you can test things quickly too, because, you know, you sure. have a, a community that you can throw ideas out to or listen to ideas and say, Hey, maybe this is something we should try. And then, you know, maybe you do it and you're like, eh, I don't know if that really fits what we want to do. Or right. It's a good idea, but it might not fit. Sure. Point yeah, being, I mean, it's worth, um, it's worth trying because you never, you never know where it's going to end up. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And if you have it, if you have an authentic audience, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be honest with you. Like, Hey, this right. is not what we wanted. This is terrible. So you'll definitely. say, okay, we'll kill that. <laughs> definitely, so, definitely. So what's been the biggest challenge so far to, to doing this? Um, you know, it seems like you, know, you guys, you're a serial entrepreneur. Um, you know, what's a, what's a challenging time that you've had in this business that, um, that, you know, you, you had to deal with and then learn from and adapt. I would say, well, one of the, one of the hardest parts was just when COVID hit, uh, the city of Madison, Wisconsin, like decided to shut it, like shut us down and and say that we were acting dangerously and stuff. And we weren't, we were following all the CDC stuff. We were following, in fact, we were way exceeding it. We were, we cut, we cut all of our staff shifts in half. We spread people apart, all this stuff. 
we eventually we we appealed to the the state of Wisconsin and they were like, yeah, that's an overreach, and they and they let us open again. But that was like two months. We were already backed up with work, and it was like two months we were shut down, and our employees wanted to work. They didn't want to you know sit at home. So this was like we took every precaution and we still got shut down for two months. So that was really scary. Yeah, definitely. Um, But in terms of, uh, I think in general manufacturing, you're always trying to come up with more capital. I feel like every time we get more sales and our revenue goes up, there's always more things we need to scale up. It's that typical success requires more capital. You watch shark tank. It's always like, I'll do a deal with you, and in the future, you'll have access to more capital. So for manufacturing, this is all of our first time doing a manufacturing business, and it's shocking how much money it takes for inventory and more warehouse. And it's like every time that you get to a plateau, you're like, well, that's not enough. Now we need now we need more parts. Now we need bigger quantities. Now we need more staff. Now we need more robots. So I think it's the I think it's the trying to uh, innovate, right? We're doing R and D. We're trying to expand uh, production and be faster, faster turnaround times, higher quality. Uh, I think it's just the chase of trying to do all those things: do it fast, do it well, and do it at a decent price. Um, while we're That's competing with Chinese, while we're competing with China, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. So, the manufacturing world. Well, COVID, obviously, you know. That was a surprise in a lot of ways for everybody. That it's 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 so challenging in the sense that, like you said, you were doing everything you could to comply and and way still, over, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it still was something that you had to to deal with and just. Um, but yeah, the manufacturing world, you know, you, you're spot on. I mean, I'm personally just diving into it a little bit myself, and I'm seeing that. I mean, I, I'm diving into the tough time with the China thing going on, but yeah, sure. um, it's always just, you know, let's say you were to buy a company um, that comes with existing inventory, you know, you could sell the rest of that inventory, but then you got to place another order, you know, right. and then you got to place another order and you got to place another order. So capturing profits is something that becomes challenging, especially if, you know, like you guys, like you said, you're always adding different things to your catalog. You're reinventing different systems. So yep. um, it's not like, you know, putting an X, taking out Y, putting an X, taking out Y, you always have to put more of X in if you're going to keep trying different things. Um, Right. So walking that tightrope is is tough. And like you said, it always presents new challenges. But if you have a good team, a good product, and, and, you know, you believe in the changes that you're making, you know, it's it's typically always for the greater good in the sense that it's just going to make the company more profitable or worth more in the end. Yeah. And I think, I think that's our, like all three of us are kind of on the same page. We're not paying ourselves crazy amounts of money. Um, I mean, (laughs) for when you, when you think that we're a three plus million uh, revenue company, what we pay ourselves, it's like laughable. And um, I mean, it's, it's like a good wage, but it's not like, I know other people in similar categories and I'm like, you do what, (laughs) what, but see the, 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 it gives us, it gives us the opportunity to be agile yeah. Uh, and like the other the, uh, two months ago, we started doing this 3D print farm thing. It cost a ton of money. We innovated. We spent two months doing R&D. How can we 3D print parts but the best, uh, the fastest, the cheapest? And it's like we have capital laying around when we need it because we're not spending it in dumb ways. We don't have right. a fancy office. We have uh, right. like a light industrial type building. And we've made it nice, like the staff break rooms and things like that, things that mm-hmm. count. But mm-hmm. like... We haven't bought some big fancy building. We're not, you know, doing that. So 
the ability to have capital to innovate, like we could have just stopped at 150 products for custom printing things. We could have stopped at a thousand board game pieces. We didn't. We have 2,300 right now available and we print like 200 different custom printable things. And we, we just think that like innovating brings more business in and that's going to, that's going to get us, that's how we win in the end. We keep listening to customers. We keep expanding it. We keep going to game conventions. We keep giving away free, free product and blanks and game pieces to schools to nonprofits, to uh, game design conventions and events. Like we're really community minded. And that's, I mean, we've grown to 350,000 users around the world and they're very loyal. The, the majority of them are very, very loyal long-term people and long-term users. I was just in Dallas today, earlier today, I'm in Michigan now. And I have people every time I'm in a convention, just come up and just sit there and praise us and tell us their story about how, you know, what they've done and how they've been successful. And so that long term, you, you do that enough, you're going to be successful. Absolutely. It's great to be on the same page with that stuff, too. You know, just um, you kind of in it like all together for the greater good and and, and continuing to keep some money around so that you can keep, you know, adding products, inventing yourself, you know, and, and, and learning and adapting. Um, because at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, it's going to be one of those things that you're just building a better company that's going to be worth more um, whenever that time is to maybe cash that in or, or you know, maybe you, you hit something where it generates a lot more cash flow inevitably and, and you guys can start you right. know, paying yourselves more. But it's always good as partners to just have, you know, a shared vision. Um, and it's tough, you know, the more people in the room uh, to, to get there. Obviously, with one individual, it's easy right. to know what the vision is, what you came up with. Well, it's, it's easier, but with three people, you know, it becomes a little bit more challenging. But you guys seem to be navigating that pretty well, which is great. Um, so where can people find you guys if they want to explore your product habits? Because I think it's a really cool thing and it's something I want to so do myself. It's thegamecrafter.com. And if, you know, on all the social media channels, basically Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, um, it's just the Game Crafter. Mm -hmm. So our, that's our, our main site is thegamecrafter.com. And that's where you can do all of the crazy stuff. I'll make all the board games, buy the pieces. So Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and telling your story. I think um, it's awesome what you guys are doing. I um, I personally am going to, like I said, check it out. Not only, you know, looking to make my own game, but check out some of the other ones that you have on the platform. I think it's great. And um, I wish you the best of luck, you know, during this upcoming holiday season. I'm sure it's a busy time of year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is great. I uh, I, I listened to the uh, the Slate Milk uh, episode and I really enjoyed it. And uh, Shout out I'll, I'll have to listen to the other ones. Yep. Yeah, we, I've, I've, I've talked to over 160 or so people, um, a lot of good episodes on there, a lot of people doing some really cool stuff. Um, and Definitely. it's just fun to learn, you know, and meet, meet individuals like yourself who are out there, you know, starting their own thing and just getting after it every day. It's, it's, um, to me, it's what it's all about. You know, I, I wouldn't have it any mm -hmm. other way myself. So, um, but thanks a lot, man. It's been great to meet you and I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot.